Listen, my name's Joel. I'm one of the pastors here. As always, I'm honored and humbled to be able to share with you this morning a little bit from God's Word as we study there. We're going to be in John chapter 16 this morning. We're wrapping up a series called Abide that has been going on for the last few weeks. All of the pastors here have been uh, serving and, and preaching in that area. And tonight, uh, today, we're going to finish that up in John chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew right in front of you. I would encourage you to take that. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, that one is now yours. So please take it and use it. Uh, today will be in John is the book, chapter 16, and verses 1 through 4 there at the very beginning. So I ask you to uh, take time, flip, uh, and get there and join us. Um, let me tell you something. And listen, I'm not uh, kids, students, dads. I'm not endorsing the following things, only stating facts, okay? So here's something I want you to know. When I was younger, I loved to scare my mom. I would hide around corners, you know, like we had this laundry uh, hamper thing in the hallway, and I, long story, I won't even get into that, but you put clothes in there and somehow they'd come out clean and they would be in my closet again. I don't know how that worked, but this hamper in, in our hallway and I would get inside there, Patrick, like the whole name, like the entire thing, you know? Like I scared her so bad, I loved that. And I would laugh and I would laugh, her not so much. She came to expect this from me. It became something that I would do pretty regularly and yet every time it happened, she was still surprised and shocked, right? Every time she would still jump and scream and call my name and all of those kinds of things, every single time. I don't recommend this, kids, just something that happened, all right? Dads, this is the one I don't recommend uh, for you either, but there is a piece of my vehicle that I love so much, any vehicle really, and, and when I say this, my kids and my wife are gonna know, but you do not walk in front of my vehicle without getting the horn honked at you, right? And so my, my wife and kids, they know to expect this as well, like they'll even look at me and they'll be like, no. And they get right in the middle and I honk the horn. I love to see them jump. I love to see them throw the things that they have in their hands, right? I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm always honking the horn at my family. So, you know, you never know if you're in the parking lot and I'm sitting in my car, there's a chance you're going to get the horn honked at you. So be careful. They know to expect that from me. And yet every time I honk the horn, they're shocked. They're scared. They're afraid. And I laugh and I laugh. Not them so much, right? Listen, I want us to see this morning in John chapter 16 that Jesus talking to the disciples, remember we've been, we've been walking through 15 here. He's talking to his disciples after the upper room and he's preparing them for a time when he's going to be departing. He's going to be leaving and they're going to still be here to do the ministry that he has called them to do. And in John chapter 16, he's going to start talking to them and he's going to say to them, listen to me, you're going to be shocked you're going to be afraid. Do not fall away. Do not fall away. Listen to John chapter 16, 1 through 4. He says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things from the beginning, because I was with you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you that it is alive and living and that cuts to our core when we read it and when we study it and when we seek to understand it better. And God, I pray that this morning, that this time here in your word today would move us and change us. God, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit is alive and well in our hearts today. And the result of that is that the hearing of your word makes us different, makes us more like you, pushes us more to serve you and to glorify you in all of our lives. God, I thank you for this church, this body. I thank you for the ministry of this church around the world. I pray for missionaries. I pray for folks in this church that are serving you far from their families. God, they are away. They travel. They spend their money. They spend their time and effort. God, I pray that you would honor them, that you would strengthen them, give them courage, vision, boldness. God, I pray for the other churches in our community today. I pray that your word would be spoken clearly. I pray that pastors would be uplifted and encouraged. I pray that members would be moved to glorify you in their lives. God, I pray for the church in Greenville, that your spirit moves like a wave through this community, that your name is glorified and that people come to know you this morning. God, thank you for your love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So here we see, guys, in verse 1, the original language here for falling away actually has the idea of being surprised, right? It has this idea of being shocked or tripped up or even snared as you walk along minding your own business, as you move through life trying to serve the Lord. He's talking to his disciples here. You're going to be moving through life. You're going to be doing the ministry that I've called you to do, and there's going to be snares. There's going to be shock. There's going to be surprise. There's going to be pain. And when those things come, I don't want you to fall away. When they come, I don't want you to sin. When they come, I don't want you to give up. Listen, folks, we may be shocked or surprised in our lives. Chapter 15 has just talked about that we will face persecution, that people will hate us because they've hated him. We will be surprised and shocked when those things happen, but the question is this, how will we respond? How will we respond? When we're snared, when we're surprised, when we're shocked, how will we respond? Will we sin? Will we give up? Or will we press forward to honor him? He says here, he says, these things I have said, these things I have said to you to keep you from falling away. What has he said to us in chapter 15 and to this point? What has he said to us? Let's do a quick review. I'll share some things with, this, with you that he, is, he said. The first thing he said right off the bat in chapter 15, he says this, you need to abide in me. You need to abide in me. If you want to stand firm when the shock and the and the snares come, you want to stand firm when you're tripped up, then abide in me. Stay close to him. We've spent a ton of time talking about what that looks like. But folks, if you want to avoid the snares in life, if you want to avoid following, falling away, abide in Christ. The second thing that he has said is that we need to remember this. He has called us his friend. He's called you his friend, folks. And when the trouble comes, when your friend here on earth turns away or rejects your, your conversation, when your boss is upset because you've shared the gospel at work, when the people around you won't listen or won't follow after your leading, listen, 
remember, He is your friend. He cares for you. No matter what happens in your life, no matter where you are, He calls you friend if you know Him. The third thing that He's told us in these verses is that we have been chosen to bear fruit. We talked about this just a few weeks ago when I was with you before. In every situation, in every good time, in every difficulty, in every part of our lives, we are called and chosen. Chosen people to bear fruit. If you want to avoid the snares, if you want to avoid falling down when the surprise comes, be determined to bear fruit. The fourth thing that he's told us is that we must love one another. We need each other, folks. The world doesn't want us. The world doesn't need us. The world is going to hate us, he said. So we must love one another. We must. We need each other in the hard times, in the good times. He does remind us that the world's going to hate us because, because they hated him. He's preparing us for the things that we may face in the future. But we won't face them alone because he's told us here in chapter 16 that he's sending a helper. He has sent a helper, the Spirit of truth from God the Father. To us, we are not alone. We do not walk through difficulty, surprising situations, snares, or trouble by ourselves. The Spirit walks with us. And lastly, he has told us this, that in the midst of all of these things, in the midst of any possible tripping or tribulation or, or persecution, that we are called to bear witness to what we have seen and heard and experienced in our own lives. We are called to be on mission. We are called to be serving Him in our everyday life. Listen, He says this, I have said all of these things, all of that from chapter six, uh, 15, I'm sorry. He's said all of these things from chapter 15 so that when you are shocked, when you are caught in that snare, you will not sin, you will not stumble. That's why he's told us these things. That's why he's spoken these things to the, his disciples there in this place, in this time. And it, he's spoken these things for us as well. We must remember what he said and what he's done for us. Listen, I know it's real easy for us here in the United States to feel like that he's not talking to us right here. No, not us, not here, not now, not in this place. We don't face persecution. We're free to do whatever we want. We're here sitting in this building today talking about Jesus and what he's done, right? This could never happen to us. Did you hear what he said in verse 1? He says, when. When, not if. When we live a life for him, when we speak truth, when we boldly share the gospel, when we stand for him, persecution will come. I'm not a doomsday kind of guy. I don't go around talking about all the bad things that are going to happen in the future or whatever. I believe God is faithful and true, and he's going to be with us. He's going to walk with us. But listen, when we begin to live lives that bear fruit, bear witness, stand for truth, the snares are going to come. The question is, how will we respond? How will we respond? If we don't remember what he has said, it's possible that we will trip, that we will sin, that we will stumble, 
and we will fall away. In verse 2, he goes on to say this. He says that they will put them out, they will put you out of the synagogues. Now this is way more difficult than it sounds to us right now. The synagogue for these people were the center of their entire life. The center of their culture, everything about who they were was centered on the synagogue. And he says this to these disciples, they will put you out of the synagogue. They will kick you out of society for what you're going to do, the ministry that you're going to do, the message that you're going to have. And, and guys, back in John chapter 9, these disciples had seen and witnessed and experienced this. In John chapter 9, 15 through 34, there's a, really a long section, all of chapter 9. It talks about Jesus' healing of a blind man. And he, if you remember, he put mud in the guy's eyes, and the guy's eyes were open, and, and he could see. And, and the Pharisees called the man to them, and they said, what has happened here? Who, who has healed you? And the man basically says, I don't know who it was, but all I know now is that I see. I couldn't see before, and now I do. And the Pharisees were angry about this, and they didn't believe him. They thought he was lying. They thought it wasn't true. And so they actually called his parents in. And they say to the parents, hey, is this your son? And was he blind from birth? And, and, and how does he now see? And, and the parents came and they said, well, we know these things. Number one, yes, this is our son. Number two, yes, he was blind. Number three, yes, now he can see. But we don't know how he can see. We don't know what has happened here. And it says here in verse 22 that his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the, the Christ, that he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he's of age, ask him. He's a grown man, ask him how he sees. We don't know. They were afraid of what the Jews were going to do, and they asked him again a second time, how is it that you were blind and now you see? Give glory to God. We know that this man that you talk about, he's a sinner. And listen to his answer. He says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know, but one thing I do know. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, and now I see. And they answered him, and they said, he said to them, do you want to be his disciples as well? And they reviled him. You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And, this, and the man said this, Why? <clears throat> this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. On down, it, they were so angry. They answered him, and they said, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us. And they cast him out. They cast him out. Folks, the disciples that Jesus is speaking to in chapter 16 had been eyewitnesses to someone being thrown out of the synagogue because of their testimony, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, this is going to happen to you. You're going to be separated from everything. It was a penalty that was so dreaded by any Hebrew. A loss of social acceptance. Loss of employment. Loss of all access to community. They were held to be worse than pagans. Total rejection and hatred. And Jesus said to them, it's coming. It's coming. Listen, folks. You think, well, that was this time and not now. There are believers around the world right now that are experiencing this very thing. They profess faith in Jesus Christ and they lose everything. 
They lose their families, their jobs, their homes. They're forced away from the people that they care for and that they love. Folks, in Greenville, Texas, Ridgecrest Baptist Church, we would be arrogant and naive to think that we are beyond that. It would be arrogant and naive for us to think that there may not come a time when we're asked to sacrifice for Jesus Christ. So my question for you today is this. What are you ready to lose for the sake of Christ? What are you ready to lose? Are you ready to lose friendships because you speak truth in difficult times? Are you ready to lose the comfort that we've grown so accustomed to? Are you ready to lose position or power? Are you ready to lay down your rights in the name of Jesus Christ? Are you ready to lose your life for Him? Here's my question. Are we living lives today that would cause us to face any type of persecution? Or are we undiscernible from the world around us? What are you willing to lose today for the sake of Christ? He may not ask you today, but if we're not willing, when the time comes, we will trip and we will fall. We must be ready. Verse 2 goes on and it says this, The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Now, I can only imagine that the disciples responded like this, Whoever kills me... Like, not a question, like, if someone kills you, or if by chance you get in a place where you might be killed, Jesus says, whoever kills you, all of these men, except for John, the writer of this book, were killed for their faith. Every one of them. Jesus was speaking truth to them when he said, whoever kills you. He was asking them to lay down their lives, to follow after him. I know they were shocked. They were surprised. They were probably afraid. But they stood firm. Why? Because they had listened to what he had said to them. They remembered what he had spoken. And when the time came, they were willing to give everything to follow after Jesus. These people that Jesus is speaking about here in verse 2, these were religious zealots. We know the most famous one that we might be aware of is a man named Saul, right? Saul traveled around persecuting Christians, even putting them to death. These people were highly educated, trained, powerful, heads of the Jewish culture, religious in every way, and yet they were killing those who professed Christ. Verse 3 tells us why this is true. It says they had education, power, training, all of these things, but they lacked something. Listen to verse 3. It says, they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. They had education, but they didn't have true knowledge. They had training, but they hadn't experienced the grace and mercy of God. They had power, but they didn't have love. Listen, folks. Religion is not the answer. Education, training, power, position is not the answer. The answer is a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. 
you're here in this place today, I say this most every time I'm up here. If you're here in this place today, you may know a lot. You may have studied the Word. You may have spent all your life in church. You may have leadership positions, teaching positions. I don't know what it is, folks. If you don't know the Father through Jesus Christ, it's worthless. It's worthless. Can I encourage you today to know Jesus? Can I encourage you today that he has given everything and he's saying to you, abide in me. I am your friend. I will walk with you. I will be by your side. If you have a relationship with me, folks, religion is not the answer. And if that's all you have today, you're lost. We're lost. He's talking here and he says, these people that will persecute you, they're unbelievers. They don't know the Father or me. I want us to think for a second about when persecution comes our way and we realize that the people persecuting us, the people who don't understand, the people who walk away from our conversations or the issues that we have in life, if we will realize that those people are unbelievers, they don't know the Father or Jesus Christ, then how are we called to respond to them? I want to give you two examples in Scripture today as to how we are called to respond to the unbelievers around us who persecute us. The first one, in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 through 60, we see here Stephen, and you know this story. 54 through 60 says this. It says, Now then when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. Can you imagine? But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped up their ears. They rushed toward him. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Listen, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he, fell, he said this, he fell asleep. You want to see what it's like to respond to persecution from unbelievers? How do we deal with the people around us who don't know God? They don't know Jesus. Listen, Stephen lived a life that was true and right. He spoke truth and boldness and courage. Even in the face of death, he spoke the truth to them with all boldness. And here's what he did. He showed grace. He offered forgiveness. He focused his eyes on the Father, even to the very last minute. Folks, when we face persecution and trouble, we must realize that the people around us do not know the Father and they don't know Jesus. Listen in Luke 23, 33 through 34. It says this, And then they came to the place called the skull where they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide up his garments. Even Jesus gives us the prime example, the perfect example of how to respond to persecution, how to respond in times of trouble. He's he's lived a life that was the truth, not just in the truth. He was the truth. He spoke with boldness about his Father. And here in the midst of persecution, he offers complete grace and forgiveness to those around him.
I want to remind you of this today. The lost people around us are going to act like lost people around us. And this is a call for us to live a life that is full of truth, speaking boldly and offering grace and forgiveness that only comes through knowing Jesus Christ. In these verses in 15, he has said, bear witness, speak the truth, stand boldly, and then bear fruit that they might know Jesus Christ. We are not up against flesh and blood in our everyday life. And when you face persecution, you are not against flesh and blood either. And many of us take on this position that it's us against them. Folks, it is not us against them. In fact, it's this. It is us for them. It is us for them. We live, we speak, and we sacrifice so that those who don't know the Father and don't know Jesus might know him. Us for them. That's the life that we're called to live. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13 reminds us to put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God when the surprises come, when the shocks come, when the snares are there. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able to be withstand in the evil day. Having done all of this, to stand firm. Stand firm. In these verses, John 16, 1 through 4, Jesus has given us a warning. The struggles are coming. The hard times will be there. He reminds us that he's with us and they don't know him. And in verse 4, I believe he gives us some assurance. In verse 4, he says this, But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. He says, when these things happen, you'll be reminded that I said they were going to happen, and what I've said is true, and not only this, but everything I've taught you is true. Everything that I've taught you, everything I've said, every word I've preached, everything I've asked of you is true, and you can have assurance in that. I am who I said I was. And when you face these things, you can trust that I have been true. He says, I won't leave you alone. I'm sending the helper to walk through difficulties with you. You can trust that because what I've said is going to happen. And if you trust me, you won't stumble. You won't fall. Do you think these disciples believed? Do you think these disciples trusted After all, they faced every type of trouble, rejection, beating, and even death, and they trusted him. They had full assurance in everything that he had told them. Even in the difficult times, they walked by faith in him. Folks, this whole passage, John 15 and the first of 16, has said this, difficulties will come. Will you abide in me? Will you stand firm? Will you share your faith? Will you bear witness for me? And ultimately, will you bear fruit? When we're surprised, he is not surprised. When we are shocked, he is not shocked. When we trip, he is there to lift us up and walk with us. 
My final question to you today is one I asked earlier, and we'll pray. I'm asking you this. Are we living lives worthy of persecution? Are we standing boldly for Christ? Are we bearing witness of all that He has done in and through us? And are we bearing fruit for Him today? It's what we're called to do. It's what He's left us here to do. It's what He's chosen us to do. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You for Your Word in John 15 and 16. And You didn't leave us uninformed. You didn't leave us wondering why or what's happened or how did we end up in this spot. But You have let us know that times of struggle and persecution will come and You can be trusted. God, I pray for folks in this room today that maybe have been living a life of religion, education, information, but they don't know you. God, I pray today that they would come to a personal, real relationship with the God who loves them and offers grace and mercy and forgiveness for them today. God, I pray for those of us who maybe right now feel really comfortable where we are. God, I pray that we would realize that the time will come if we live lives worthy of it, that persecution is going to come. God, I pray that we stand firm when that time comes. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.